0: Welcome to Podcana. This is episode number five, uh, podcast all about Disney's Lorcana. the news, the headlines, the strategies. My name is Matt DeMarco, aka Flake. I'm joined as always by Brendan Patrick.
1: What's up, buddy? Nothing much. So in this episode, we're going to be handling a pretty hot potato when it comes to Lorcana, and that's price and allocation. Allocation being the one that should be particularly more important to you because it affects price more than MSRP or whatever's out there already. Uh, But before that, let's go ahead and get into that Elsa icebreaker. Elsa? Do you want to build a snowman? All right, so the
0: Elsa icebreaker this week is brought to us by the wonderful fan of the show, friend of the show, upgrade to friend of the show, Disney Lorkanadad, at Lorkanadad on Twitter, asking, What fairy tale has Disney not tackled that you want to see them make a film about? Uh, What are you feeling on this one, Brendan?
1: So I want to preface this with, Flake, what is what is your exposure to fairy tales as a, I don't know, I feel like as, like, the generations have gone on, there's less and less exposure to, like, traditional fairy tales, because, like, I understand what a fairy tale is, but I think back, and I'm like, do I actually know any fairy tales? It's like, not really. What about you? Were they, <laughs> were they read to you as a young lad? Like, what is your, how did you, how do you know fairy tales?
0: They were read to me as a young lad, I guess, like pre-internet age like growing up uh in the like late 80s and 90s early 90s when this kind of stuff was exactly read to me um they they it's funny because you hear about the fairy tales of like mother goose and jack and the Mm -hmm. beanstalk and things of of that nature and as you grow older you realize how ridiculous they are like there was an old woman who lived in a shoe or like there was the one that's like, uh, I don't know why she swallowed a fly. I guess she'll die. Like how bad is your medical system where somebody <laughs> swallows a fly and immediately they're they are written off They I guess she'll die. Like to me, that just sounds so dismissive. Um, the fairy tale now that I'm very much living is the fairy tale of affordable housing in Toronto, which doesn't exist. <laughs> doesn't
1: exist. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, I honestly don't know. I think somebody had mentioned, um, was it like, I guess like, did they do Jack and the Beanstalk? Did they do something like that?
1: So I don't know if Disney did that. I know that there's a Jack and the Beanstalk movie from the 90s that's like freaking scary. (laughs) Wait, James (laughs) and the Giant Peach. It's not Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, that was Claymation. (laughs) I saw that in theater. That actually
0: was kind of, it was along the lines of like Nightmare Before Christmas kind of oddity.
1: I don't know if it was supposed to be, though. I think it was just, like, disturbing. Um, but, yeah, f- so for fairy tales, um, I actually did listen to some of them in, like, my adulthood. I remember when I first heard, like, the actual Hansel and Gretel. It was, like, really messed up. <laughs> but uh, I always liked the the Pied Piper, um, that tale. But, yeah, I mean, it- I think it's just funny how fairy tales don't really... I think that they permeate society in like a secondary and tertiary medium through like a Disney movie or through some sort of like cartoonized yeah I don't know, version of the the original source material but I don't think that people actually get exposure to like those old school fairy tales anymore in the age of the internet
0: no they don't but what's fi- what's interesting is like even us growing up like if I were to say little mermaid where where is the origination of of the little mermaid I mean, that's Disney. It's not, though. See, and this is what I learned growing up. The Little Mermaid is actually like a, um, a Danish tale by author Hans Christian Andersen, which, like, a lot of this stuff gets borrowed, and a, a lot of it kind of just gets transformed and such, and I don't know what the, origi- like, the original tale is for a lot of stuff, but when Disney gets their hands on things, they typically do things well, and who knows? Maybe they will make an animated movie about buying a condo. In Toronto, that that (laughs) would be great.
1: Affordable flight prices in 2023.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you going to Gen Con to check out uh, this? And there's the fairy tale right there. It's just the flight to five
1: hundred dollars minimum. Not
0: happening. It's it's like that's the. Are are you going to be going to Gen Con for for like this big release?
1: No way. Like, there's no way I can justify it without some sort of event. So, the reason why this is on the tip of our tongue is both Flake and I are traveling to Baltimore for the Flesh and Blood Pro Tour. We'll both be um, there. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot if it hadn't been announced what, what we're doing. But, um, yeah, so we bought flight tickets, which are thankfully reimbursed, but I was just like, oh my god, it's $500 to go to freaking Baltimore. Uh, I just don't think I can justify it to go to something like Gen Con on my own accord for pleasure to just get Disney World con a few days, a few days in advance. I can't do it. What about what, you? What
0: are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's like it's uh, Baltimore is in Wonderland. In fact, that's where they were planning on putting the the northeast Disney location was going to be. The Disneyland, Disney World, it was going to be like Disney area, and they were going to jam it right in Baltimore. Uh,
1: is and, this is this real? No,
0: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, yeah. So, in terms of an actual fairy tale, it, it's I think the the information frankly about fairy tales in general i think like you said i think it's pretty astute observation that i think as generations are gonna grow up and whatnot they're gonna forget like the old storybooks of like some old lady who lived in a shoe and had like 47 kids you know like
1: yeah i mean i don't think kids can sit through a story of like hansel and gretel dropping breadcrumbs. i think they just want to see who can hold their hand on a car to get the Tesla the longest well, or
0: something. they have that these days. <laughs> the, I think today's version of Hansel and Gretel is like Chris Hansen to Catch a Predator. Like, it's, oh the same, it's kind oh, of the I don't same know,
1: thing. I don't know if that's a kid's show.
0: Uh, no, that is definitely not a kid's show. So we, that is definitely not what I advise people to go take a look at ultimately, though. Uh, yeah. Uh, I will just say Hansel and Gretel, I think it would be an interesting take. But keep Claymation out of it because, like you said, it
1: is a terrifying ordeal. I got to go back and watch James the Giant Peach eventually. I think that, like, it's probably a cinematic masterpiece. I just remember being deeply disturbed as a child.
0: (laughs) That Coraline, I think Coraline was another one of those types of movies, which was, again, very dark, but uh, maybe I don't have the kind of artistic prowess to truly appreciate those kinds of things. So, yeah,
1: weird time the 90s was. James Uh, the Giant Peach, Beetlejuice, and (laughs) (laughs) Beetlejuice.
0: All right, there you go. That's uh, our Elsa Icebreaker. Thank you so much, Lord Canada, Dad, for uh, supplying that one. We've got news, new spoilers, as well as some MSRP stuff. So let's dig into the headlines there, my friend. What do we got?
1: Yeah, so headlines here. We've got two new cards. The first one, I mean, we got Tigger here. I think that one thing that I want to point out about Lorcana cards is that the, the art is, like, very... It's very good but it's also very similar like i'm ve- i'm surprised that the cards look so congruent across like everything we've seen they 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 almost look like they're from they're all from the same artist which i think i verified that they're actually not um but yeah we have tigger tigger is a storyborn tiger uh in red so i think that's ruby four four and cost six with the special symbol around it um it says evasive only characters with evasive can challenge this character mm-hmm. it's just definitely expanding on the already sort of defined archetype in ruby and correct me if i'm wrong about ruby i kind of forgive you sometimes but we'll call it red for now of having evasion um so I, I don't think tigger's too um, i don't know not groundbreaking right it's more of a vanilla creature but interesting to see sort of the stat breakdown of you know a six cost card being a 4-4 four, four body
0: so the f- interesting part about this that uh, I, I and I don't recall precisely who did this. If you, if it's you, if it was you who tweeted this out, please let us know in the comments of this video here. But somebody mentioned how Disney Larkana has been beating the drum about spring, spring, spring. Spring rolls around, and rather than actually give us something, they give us Tigger, who has like a spring in his tail. So <laughs> I thought it was like an ultimate troll job. So congratulations Disney Larkana, you got us. Uh, that was pretty funny. But we're all still begging for the rules. Like, we are yeah. dying for the rules. But this card itself, Evasion is going to be interesting because to me, it's like a stealth mechanic. Uh, when it says cannot, like, the, sort of the tool tip for that particular mechanic is uh, evasive characters can only be challenged by other evasive characters. So what does this mean? It means that Tigger can't be challenged by your opponent's characters unless they have evasive. This is, again, part of what I would suspect is more of an aggressive build in terms of just not, of you know, having your your creatures, your your characters, or whatever, living on the board and being very difficult to remove. So mm-hmm. whenever I've seen that in previous card games, sticky minions have always been associated with aggression, have always been associated with, you know, sacrificing, at least in other games, your life total to continuously pound your opponent's face as it were and i think that this is kind of where it is um i'm not sure what other characters had evasive did uh what other colors or characters had evasive
1: uh so off the dome i think it was mickey mouse had evasive um and i can't remember past that i do think that this is a very powerful ability though flake and uh it's interesting that it's it's lining up in like what looks to be the more aggressive archetype. But there there are ways to interact with it, right? So you can have something like Elsa, and you can be tapping it down, you can be spot-removing it with something like Bane... Uh, I think it's Banefire. No, it's definitely, like, whatever the, Malefic- the Maleficent spell is. Dragonfire, was it?
0: Dragonfire, yeah. Banefire, Magic card, by the Bane way. Banefire, yeah, Not... red Magic card, pump a spell up, just blast them into the
1: pieces. I love that card. But yeah, spot-removal, tapping down, stuff like that. But I think that this evasive is going to be effectively unchallengeable for a lot of decks you know if we get into in constructed you know if this is the most popular deck obviously you will be bringing a lot of tools to deal with it maybe other evasive characters but you know out of the box starter decks i assume there's going to be you know some colors whether it's blue or steel that just don't have any way to deal with evasive outside of removal and tap effects
0: yeah, is going to be sweet. We haven't seen any other kind of removal effects uh, besides, I guess, Dragonfire. Um, we've seen Maleficent can also two-for-one uh, in that case as well, which is great. Um, it's not like Ward or uh, Shroud or uh, Hexproof in that regard. You could still interact with it with other abilities, I would imagine. You just can't send a character after it unless that character also has evasion. Um, and from what I understand, like I've played a lot of uh, Runeterra when it just came out um, what was it? evasive I think in that regard is the same thing as elusive or elusive in Runeterra evasion fear. it's kind of the same thing they can only interact with each other but it was a big problem it kind of drove the meta mm. and the aggression aspect to the point where a lot of the ev- elusive cards in Runeterra early on got the ba- uh, the nerf hammer pretty uh, severely in that early rendition of the game
1: <clears throat> that's really good insight I didn't know that about sort of the early days of Runeterra um, but yeah, it's definitely a hard mechanic to balance, I think. Um, I can't remember. I don't know what you could equate it to, whether it's like you can equate it to like shadow or something like that in magic. But yeah, definitely a, a slippery slope. Let's head on to the the next card here, which is Gontu. Gontu's a story storyborn alien captain. Um, he's a 6 6, cost 8 resources uh, with a special symbol around that 8. And has an ability that says, "Under arrest, characters with cost two or less can't challenge your characters." So not just him, all of your characters. And he has two pips. So I think Gontu, at least for steel, should be pretty close to eight mana or eight resources. when the game. Um, it's just like this is obviously an anti aggro card. It's just like if it's kind of a non bow Because if you think about When you're playing against an aggro deck, the problem is dying early and dying fast. It's not really dying after you hit 8 mana, right? It's dying before then. So to as an anti-aggro card is kind of funny because if you survived all the way to the stage of the game where you can have this many resources, you should be pretty stabilized by then anyway.
0: Um, I'm like, I, I see where you're coming from with this, because you're right. Typically, aggro wants to finish the game out by turn 5 before many of the major threats come out, where it's less efficient for them to deal with. They just want to push face, push face, push face. I totally get it. Um, in every card game I've played where I've i have never enjoyed playing aggro, i found it kind of lackluster in that regard. I've always been the control player, and aggro, to me, has always been a, a challenge, mainly because, yeah, you have to turn the corner. We've played so many card games... Uh, in our lives during the Prism Starvo Chain meta. Like, oftentimes Prism, which was a very much a control, would usually take a beating, but once you got to turn 5, 6, 7, you turn a corner and things kind of change, and I feel like this is what this is. We don't know if sideboarding exists in this game uh, or any of the, the main formats. This, to me, is a sideboard card. I would say if there is a popular aggro deck that would run a lot of low-to-the-ground cheap units that you can just drop, because once... Once this card hits the board, it basically just shuts things down. Wherein your opponent then has to sideboard in their own answers to something this fat. Otherwise, their units become a little less potent, a little less useful. But mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, it, it kind of feels to a degree like a win more against aggro. Because if you got to, to turn 8, you're kind of there. You've crossed that finish line. You, you should be able to turn it around. But this kind of solidifies it. This kind of just hammers it down that, okay, the game is now mine. Like, let's just mm. stop playing games.
1: Yeah, I think at the, at the very least, like, for us, this gives us more information on color identity, right? So Steel sort of expanding into this more controlling, more defensive kind of deck. And Red, obviously, aggro, it seems. Um, or at least has a sort of evasion across multiple characters, the one thing we also don't know that's really important when it comes to Gontu—is we don't know what function two or less cost characters will have in the late game, right? Um, because due to it being creature combat, you would think that cards developed on turn one and turn two don't really have much of a function in late game combat because they get just destroyed by these other by these other heroes or these other characters, right? That that dynamic could be flipped. Based off of like the pip win condition, right? Where you're sort of the cards you develop early in the game, the one, two, three drops, you know, even on turn six, seven, eight are still f- performing some sort of um, auxiliary function, you know, outside of just combat. Um, this is also
0: a good time where uh, I am going to once again lobby Dizzy Lurkana to release the rule book already. Uh, I think that it's, it's becoming less. Of uh, a tongue-in-cheek kind of yeah it's gonna be soon it's gonna be soon but there's an active I wouldn't call it a revolt but much like uh, if you got if you remembered Marvel snap when Marvel snap came out there was a very select few people in certain regions that got it talked about it hyped it up and then that was it and people were eventually like dude if I can't play it if I know nothing about it like I like it's just turning on it this is a whole different version of that where yeah. the hype for this is unreal, like it's it's impossible to deny, to deny the fact that this game is just already uh, essentially a commercial success because people are going to be buying the hell out of it. But at the same time, there's also people who are in, like interested in it as an additional card game to their their all you know to their hobby already. People are already saying like you know what like forget it like I, I we know nothing about it and they everybody's just. There's, like, an exhaustion to it. There's a fatigue when it comes to just soon, 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 soon. I I really hope that the powers that be that make these decisions release the rulebook in the next week or so so that they can put this to bed. Like, it's spring. I don't know what you're waiting for. Are you still working on the rules? Like, that's impossible. Like, the cards are printed. The stuff is out there. Like, just... What I don't see the logic, unless, like you kind of mentioned off air, that without a rule book, you can't have third party emulators and well, rule yeah, enforcement. I don't platforms. think that
1: that's their issue. I think that they've set a date for like this. I mean, Lorcana for me is a very clear example of a content marketing team setting out particular days and dates to release particular content. Um, with quite a roadmap in advance just looking at the cadence the professionalism like it's obviously being managed by someone who knows what they're doing and has the competency to plan things out on a calendar month by month basis so i think that the rule book is just a function of that <clears throat> they've set a date for it and that date is just not here yet it does probably fall in spring just unfortunately is not <clears throat> day one of spring as soon as the you know the flowers bloom like we would like nevertheless you know Hype fatigue is definitely a thing. Uh, I think in card games, it's it's not that bad. I, I, coming from uh, sort of a background in video games, I have gone through this process with some games for years, and it's, it's terrible, right? You know, waiting for these games to get hyped, you get more information, more information. It's the classic, you know, Blizzard soon uh, trademark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, hopefully they do it really soon. Like, I know for me and you, it would help us out a lot with sort of content, understanding the game. And they did, they did launch with such a bang in terms of hype and getting people excited. It's. <clears throat> I feel like it's important for them to maintain that. And they, they've obviously tried to do it with their sort of spoiler and card release up till now.
0: I, I think that there's a certain point, though, where you're losing some of the hype value. Because if you don't know, like, it, by all means, release cards. We want to see those and we appreciate those. But how the hell are we supposed to know how good of a card is? Like, you they might be like, "All right, we're going to release like a, an absolute banger," but to us, it's basically a foreign language if we don't know in what context this is good or how it fits into the grand puzzle. I agree with you. I, I think that you know they have—they certainly have a plan. Like, this is something that has been written out long before we even knew what Lorcana was. People are like, "This is when it's going to happen." The, the the whole roadmap is set for the whole year, and I doubt they're going to deviate from it. But. The rumblings and the, the sentiment from the community is starting to sour to a degree where people can only look at these hieroglyphics of not knowing what the hell things are. And yeah, they might look familiar and you might know more or less. It's like, oh, the wavy lines mean water. It's like, yeah, great. You're you're a true scholar. But ultimately, without that Rosetta Stone to translate things, we don't know what is what the true value of a card is of the true impact of a particular card this is just me obviously also feeling like i just want to know like i'm being selfish here like let's be real they're not going to release it on my account because i just made this plea to them but i think that for the sake of the community i think that uh, this is definitely a sooner than later situation
1: Mm -hmm. well yeah hopefully sooner rather than later i'm there with you but let's talk about msrp and (laughs) super funny because so Lorcana does have obviously has an higher msrp than usual but i don't think those are the prices you're generally going to be paying uh before we get into that uh (laughs) that landmine flake talk to me about what prices we are looking at specifically
0: so last week we gave you some of the uh leaked uk msrp and uh right now from my anonymous sources um they have confirmed x msrp now for those who don't know msrp stands for manufacturer's suggested retail price this is basically what is a guideline given to the the retailer to say this is what you should be selling it at at minimum and there's actually in certain cases there are laws or i don't know if they're laws necessarily but there's regulations and there's things where you are not allowed to sell below msrp uh until you're uh i believe Told that you can. I, at least that is certain cases in in Canada. Um, I'm yeah, I think sure.
1: it's more contractual, more across the board rather than regulated by law. But I mean, in flesh and blood specifically, this happens a lot where people sell under MSRP because MSRP is. Let's be honest, MSRP. So I don't know if it's manufacturer minimum suggested retail price, but it's kind of a scam because (laughs) they basically sell, they're like, hey, our product's going to be this expensive. It doesn't matter what demand is. This can sit on your shelf forever, but this is what you're going to sell it at. Um, And that's the contract they get. They, Align with these stores that get the product, so it's kind of this, you know, this agreement, right? Yeah, we see it happen in Fab a lot. What happens when stores sell under MSRP is they basically they get banned and they don't get allocation for the next set. Um, I, there's definitely not any legal repercussions from what I understand, but it does end up with you being sort of blacklisted by the company and not getting product at the very least
0: so the us msrp that i have seen um that has been sourced to me anonymously is that the gift set msrp is 29.99 usd the illumineers trove 49.99 uh starter decks are about 17 bucks and the booster box is about 144. Mm -hmm. that is the msrp uh that is the in us dollars from what i've seen in canada Uh, all I know, I don't know what the actual MSRP is in Canada, but I can tell you what some of the stores, which have ventured a pre-order already, which is a brave thing to do, um, the pre-orders have been $154.99 Canadian for a box. That is a steal! An absolute steal, if you can get it, and you can't because it's sold out, uh, Booster packs about seven bucks Canadian. The gift set forty five dollars Canadian. Um, the starter decks twenty bucks Canadian, and the Illuminators Trove about sixty four dollars. Now that is one place that has sold out. However, in the same province of Quebec in Canada, there have been other sellouts, and this is what you're alluding to, which is the main yeah. topic that we want to get to eventually: price and allocation. A, the same booster box that was sold at one store in Canada for 154 Canadian is selling for $235 Canadian. And that is also mm. completely sold out. So MSRP is like wishful thinking, frankly.
1: Yeah. Let me let me let you guys in on a little game that we get to play when it comes to pre-orders for high products and what has happened in the past because Flesh and Blood got wrecked by this. Um, basically... The booster box – okay, booster box price here, $143. That's above rate, but it doesn't matter. If you think that's too much, this first set might not be for you because you're not even going to pay that. If you pay that, it's a steal. What's going to happen is that stores that may or may not have allocation, by the way – allocation means that they've been committed product by the company. They know they're going to get a certain amount of product – can start selling pre-orders. And when I said may or may not – may not is the dirty parts these stores don't actually have to know exactly how much they'll get and they don't even have to know if they're going to get it at all they can still sell the pre-orders and then they can just cancel on you and then what you're going to do is you're going to give them a zero interest loan up until then and you're going to be sol when you figure out you're not getting the product and it's two weeks before release and the product is 10 15x the price so that sucks um and it happens a lot when it comes to sort of gaming the system and (laughs) I don't know, not getting wrecked by it. You're honestly best off shopping with people that you either know or trust or with big retailers because big retailers have more to lose, right? With sort of um, public fallout, you know, public opinion, stuff like that. Uh, the little store that's in some random state, you know, somewhere in America that says they're going to sell it to you at $100 a piece and you can pre order seven months in advance, they'll take your money. It's just, it's such, it's a big gamble and it almost never works out. And honestly, what they will usually do is like, there will be some stores that are kind of ignorant of the of the demand and they'll take your pre-order money. So let's say they take your $150 pre-order money and oh no, it's one month before release. Now you pre-ordered seven months ago, by the way, it's one month before release and people are willing to pay $1,000 per box and they're gonna pre-order a month in advance for $1,000 per box. Well, what they're gonna do is they're gonna cancel your order um, And you'll be SOL because it's now $1,000 everywhere else too, and they're going to take other people's money. It happens a lot. Um, It sucks, but yeah, the, the, the silver lining here is that Ravensburger is not Legend Story Studios. Legend Story Studios was a small publisher that didn't have a lot of money and didn't know what the demand for the game would be. Ravensburger should know the demand for the game is going to be astronomical and should have the capital to order print to at least print closer to demand than something like Alpha Flesh and Blood did. But from like your anonymous sources, from what we understand now, is that might not be the case. So we're going to run in, we look like we're going to run into this sort of price gouging um, scenario, right? in this whole pre order fiasco.
0: Yeah. Uh, just if, if for comparative purposes here, you also. Uh, you, you brought up some of what MSRP is for other product. you want to give us a little hint on that?
1: Yeah, so like Magic, Ga- like Magic the Gathering doesn't technically have an MSRP, but let's just say their most recent set all will be one boxes, go for about $110. Um, Flesh and Blood MSRP is $399 uh, USD per booster pack, and then Pokemon is um, around 143 per booster pack bundle 161 per booster bundle looks like it kind of comes out to like 450 per back but maybe it's different pack distribution i'm not super familiar with pokemon i mean the the sort of the takeaway from that is like Lakana is more expensive than other games even across msrp period yeah. and like <laughs> i for me i it's not great right but that's sort of i feel like that's the story of the past you know one to two years of our lives everything is just more expensive period. doesn't really matter where you live. So, you know, Booster boxes from Lorcana being $143 MSRP, is that good? No. Is it a game-breaker? Honestly, no, it's not. But again, I genuinely don't think you're going to pay that price, and I think if you do, it's a steal. I think you're going to end up paying hundreds of dollars, unless they get the printing right, um, and everything that we've heard so far is that it might not be the case. This is the biggest issue that comes to a new game, an alpha set, anything like that you know one piece had this issue flesh and blood had it terribly it's just like these things they don't exist on msrps they exist on secondary market prices and there's people there that are not buying the game to play it um and they're trying to make money and they will pay i mean they'll pay any amount of money right because the only thing that matters to them is that what they pay is less than what they sell it for right
0: so there's always an attractive part to this where like you mentioned people are might not just be buying it to play it or collect it. They're buying it purely for resale value. And um, think of it this way. like Nobody knows what's going to be a hit for the most part, but I think a lot of people are just basically saying that this is a sure thing. And for people like you and I who want to play the game, who want to collect it, play it, and ourselves, like millions of others who are waiting you know, with bated breath to actually play the game and, and compete in it, there are people out there who are hearing the same news as us Which is might not have a lot of it. um, You know, prices are going to be through the roof. It's going to be heavily allocated. Uh, So for us, we're like, well, crap. We're not going to be able to get as much as we want. It won't be as readily available. We're going to probably have to pull some favors with people that we know to sort of put a box aside for us or whatnot. But for the for the same people like us who are worried about this, there are going to be scalpers out there who are hearing this, and it's music to their ears because they might have those connections because they buy in bulk or whatever mm-hmm. and they exactly. might be buying a case at MSRP and flipping it for and this is not an exaggeration friends probably about 2 to 3 times MSRP minimum minimum yeah. like
1: that would be that would be the one of the less profitable alpha sets correct um, yeah it's just it's economies of scale right those people are going to have connections and you know, they might be able to go to the same store you can. We're like, hey, can I pre-order a box? Or can not pre-order five boxes? I'll give you $500. Let's say that, that they were going to take that. They're struggling sort of like, to hey, can I pre-order some boxes? I'll give you $50,000, and I'll buy your whole entire allocation. It's, it's a no-brainer from the business side where you're like, okay, I'm going to go with the larger lump sum because it's much safer and it's easier and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, these people generally will have connections. They will buy in bulk, and, you know, it's – that's sort of just how the industry works. And there's one way to fix this, a really easy way, um, is that the publisher will print to this suspected demand. I, I genuinely, from the very second I saw this game, I thought there was zero hope of them printing to the actual demand, but I did believe that because they were Ravensburger Ravensburger, and this was a Disney partnership that they would at least pr- try to print close. Like if you look at something like Fab, they didn't even try, right? It was their first set. So they just printed as much as they could, as much as they reasonably could risk. And that is just what the Alpha set looks like. Locana, <laughs> they should be printing almost as much as possible here.
0: I completely agree. Like it's, it's hard to Imagine that when they're sitting around the conference table saying, okay, so like, how much of this are we actually going to sell? And they're looking at the various different card games that are out there. And I understand Flesh and Blood trying to temper the risk because, again, it's a it's an unknown IP, a brand new fresh IP from a brand new fresh company with a brand new rule set and card game of interactions etc it is an incredible risk because there's nothing that people can lean on other than the fact that it's a card game to say like okay this is going to be a sure thing disney's got the the financial backing uh uh, Ravensburger has the financial backing of disney they've got the ip they they've got everything going for them so if their thought process is let's play it safe i don't think that that they might have missed the mark but at the same time, we don't know because they might think, hey, this is a sure thing. Let's print, you know, God knows how many hundreds of thousands of boxes, you know, a million box. I don't know what, what numbers would look like. And in their mind, they could be like, this, is, this should satisfy the demand yeah. because of how much is also out there. But they could have also missed the mark because it, the demand seems to be absolutely astronomical.
1: Yeah, so the reality is, is that Dorkana, from a business standpoint, also wants to print as much as possible. And I don't think that there's any... I, I think it's less likely this scenario where, like, hey, let's play it really safe on this alpha set. I, I doubt it. I think that they'll print as much as they, they really can uh, within reason. I think the biggest bottleneck, from what I understand about the industry, which is not a lot. I'm an idiot. Don't listen to me. But it's actually kind of hard to get um, to get slots at uh, sprint printing, right? Like, that's a huge, a huge shortage of... Uh, um, I don't know what you call those freaking... The people that print the cards, right? The pro- like,
0: printing press companies or whatever. Yeah, yeah.
1: so there are a lot of games that compete to get those those slots to print their sets, and it's really competitive. Like, multiple games have been delayed, and I know Flesh and Blood has been impacted like by this because it all got thrown off by COVID, and then, like, now there's, like, a freaking million TCGs. So, um, yeah, it's actually... There is some point where it's, like, it's not even, like, you can have a desire to print as much as possible. It's like you literally can't with these people. I don't know if you can just go in there and be like, hey, you know, Magic the Gathering is giving you, you know, ten million dollars to print their print X here will give you fifteen or something. Like if you really want to get it out, I have no idea. It's probably just gibberish, but I do know that like that is a huge bottleneck and limitation on sort of how much a how much a game can print.
0: Um th- speaking with some of the the retailers um who are, you know, also part of those anonymous sources and whatnot, but like talking to me about what allocation is and i asked them and i said hey just you know for my own education on this stuff what is allocation um can you just describe it to me or like you know define it and basically for those who don't know allocation is going to happen when you put your order in as a retailer you could be a brick and mortar mom and pop shop you put your out your order in with the distributor say this is how much i need or i, I want to order that distributor also goes a above that and gets it directly from the company. And at the end of the day, they'll be like, okay, we've got a demand of X amount of of boxes, be it a hundred thousand boxes. I want a hundred thousand boxes. The company then turns around to the distributor and says, well, we can give you 30,000. Now here's where it gets greasy about this. That 30,000 is a 70% decrease of what you are. You're getting 30% of what your initial order was. And you would think, to satisfy and be equal about this, that distributor will then go to everybody who they distribute to and say, we can only fulfill 30% of your order. That's not how it works.
1: Nope. (laughs) That is
0: not how it works. And this is what needs to be discussed openly is because there is a certain... uh, It then becomes a decision of the distributor of who gets what. So you've got the mom-and-pop shop who's like, "Hey, we only need 100 boxes." We we our order was for 100 boxes. But then you've got these big box stores uh like bigger ones who might not care about the community. They're just they just deal in volume and reputation, and they're like, "You know what? We 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 asked for 1000 boxes." So what the company's going to do is that mom and pop shop that wanted 100 boxes, they're not going to get 30. They're going to get 10. Mhm. And there the big, <laughs> yeah, and the yeah, big, like, it, big box stores is gonna sense. get is gonna get the lion's share of this, and because uh, at the same time it becomes an issue of like you mentioned, well, we deal in volume, and that's mm-hmm. that can be greasy because then your your those smaller stores oftentimes get the shaft,
1: for sure, and that's just how it goes. So like the one thing that can happen, so the I, from what i understand the sources that you have they are relatively smaller stores right they're not like your walmart's or your channel fireball or something like that so Lorcan could have partnerships with big box retailers or big brand names um in the e-commerce space where they could be pushing a lot of allocation right either you know direct or through some sort of di- di- distributor therefore there's maybe some more generous allocation going on that me and flake don't know about and that's very possible like flesh and blood did this with a set called monarch where they basically like signed a deal with the devil <laughs> <I> name <don't know laughs> what that company was but they basically signed over like a ton of allocation to this this uh, one single online entity that entity you know took took it then sort of twisted it on the market made the product look scarce held a bunch of it back and you know hiked prices, then dumped it all on the market. So it was very bad trash. <laughs> so it's, it wouldn't surprise me, though, if Larkana is doing direct deals with, um, you know, like, big box retailers, whether it's, you know, your Walmarts or your big online stores, things like Channel Fireball, TCG Player, stuff like that.
0: You know what scares me, though, is because they are going to be in Walmarts, they are going to be in Targets, they are going to be in those big brand stores, like the actual reputable retailer stores or whatnot, and these stores don't care about it. Whatever MSRP is, that's what the ticket price is. You know what you're going to see? Is you're going to see... And I've trust me, because as somebody who's collected Star Wars figurines in my life and Hot Wheels, I was a Hot Wheels collector when I was really young, and then that turned into Star Wars figurines. I came to learn when places like Toys R Us, when places like Target, Walmart, when they would get their shipments of new toys and when the <laughs> new new toy restock day was. Which was, oftentimes, it was like a Tuesday or a Thursday. So I was like, I'm going to get ahead of the curve here. And I would go, if the store opened at 9, I would be there at 9. And then the funny part about that was, when I was there at 9, there was a lineup of about 20 other dudes that were waiting in line to go and just tear the place apart and get whatever was of value. So I, I already can see what this is going to turn into. Which is the people who, like you, like me, who want to play the game, whatever, or like the casual collector who might be passing through a Walmart or a Target, are not going to see them. Because, again, the the secondary market is going to annihilate this game.
1: Yeah, and like, honestly, so to the people, so that's definitely going to happen, by the way. So if if it exceeds MSRP, there's going to be scalpers in things like Walmart. Honestly, fair game to those ones because those those are not like your institutional scalpers, like your CFBs that are going to, you know, really screw over a lot of people. That's like some kid who's like, you know, some kid or young adult who's trying to make a buck. You know, fair game. They're not, it's a small disruption, right? To more like massive market manipulation by some of the bigger online companies. But it's going to be tough to get product and it's going to be tough to get product cheap. And you're going to need a strategy for sure. And Flake, I know you're going to talk a little bit more about what pitfalls to watch out for and we talked about a little bit already but for what me and flake are gonna do because me and flake have been in the content sector of card games for a while we do potentially hopefully we're gonna know people we're gonna know people's own stores and we're gonna go direct to them that's basically the only like we're gonna we're gonna use that to try to get our product i'm gonna tell you right now we're not gonna be you know pre-ordering seven months in advance, waiting outside your Walmart, et cetera, et cetera. So I think if you're looking to get Lorcana at a reasonable price and you want product on day one, you need to start looking for, for stores and the people that you can trust to buy from.
0: Yeah. Uh, so part of this episode as well is just to set the expectations of what it's going to look like. And I think that we've done a good job where it's going to be scarce what you're going to find out there, uh, which is to you, might not seem, quote-unquote, in the wild. Like, when you're out there and you're going to your LGS, you think that you're going to the LGS to be like, hey, I'm going to my LGS because I'm going to get the product at the price that it's meant to be. That's not the case. Nor does that, in, in all reality, I also want to advise people not to, like, revolt against their LGS if, they're, if the boxes are a lot, because these are stores that need to compete... With mass volume, gigantic big box stores that are selling in ten to twenty times the volume that they are, they need income. They they have rent to pay. They have lives and, and mouths to feed. So that MSRP of one hundred forty four dollars. If you see that box for two hundred and fifty, if that's what the demand is, you can't get mad at at at. You can't necessarily get mad at them. So I that's not what i'm trying to advocate here it's just the reality of the whole situation that said do not be surprised if a pack of Lorcana that might msrp at what like six bucks is gonna cost you ten to twelve dollars and a box is gonna cost you two hundred dollars so that's the one thing that this episode is meant to prepare you for is it's not it's not about your corner store trying to just absolutely you know grease you out of every penny you have it's demand and supply is a very intimate relationship that has been steadfast for as long as economies existed honestly my
1: my biggest recommendation is just don't give stores and people you don't really know zero interest loans for multiple months on end that's what pre-orders can end up being And it's a freaking huge scam. Like, if you're going to commit money to a pre-order for Lorcana for any hyped product like this, just make sure that you know the person is actually going to uphold that. It's not that you're going to lose your money. is you're going to lose the opportunity cost of that money, and it's huge, right? Not only is it someone else is holding your money for a long time, but you could have also gone and pre-ordered something seven months ago and got it at a cheaper price with someone who would actually have gotten you that product rather than someone who canceled on you two weeks before. So you just got to be careful.
0: So strategies wise of uh, how to kind of prepare for this or like how to order in advance, uh, I spoke to some of the retailers and that are planning on, on putting up some pre-orders. For all the people that went to those Canadian sites that I had mentioned and pre-ordered, uh, I hate to tell you, probably about 75% of you are not getting what you what you've pre-ordered. Uh, that yep. is about 50 At to 75 percent of you aren't getting what you're getting. It's just the fact of the matter, it's the reality of it because that's how allocation works. That store that put up their pre-orders are crossing their fingers that they get half of what they asked
1: for. Yeah. It's it's such a it's 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 a funny catch twenty-two, because what these stores are gonna do is they're gonna come back they'll come back to you and they'll say, It's not our fault. We didn't get what we were promised, or we were at what we were told we were gonna get. And that's because of the systemic issues that me and Flake talked about early in this pod, where like not only is the distributor not getting as much as they, they wanted, but also they're reallocating among, like, the local game stores that they're partnered with. And, you know, maybe the mom and pop only gets 10 when they thought they were getting 100. Those stores, when they're taking your pre-orders, don't let them come back to you and be like, hey, we took all of your money, but we actually didn't get anything. That's still kind of on them. Like, that, no store should expect, like should be told a number, take everybody's money, never look at it again, take no responsibility and then be like, "Hey guys, sorry we we got nothing we can do here." I just remember it in fab there was there was legitimate stores who were very transparent about it and then there were stores who would like they would take pre-orders for more than they were allocated, things that they had no chance ever getting ridiculous numbers and like it's just so freaking shady. And it's like, I don't know. I just I really hate the whole process of this this pre-ordering thing. I think it's so It is,
0: and as people who play video games too, pre-ordering video games before they're out. I don't know how many Call of Duties or Halos or whatever that I've ordered because I've I've been a fan of the franchise and I'm looking for a game to just play with my buddies where the game is completely unplayable for the first (coughs) two to two to four weeks and it just destroys everything. But they're like, yeah, but you know, you got early access, but like to what? I got early access to wait in lobbies. Like I don't get it. Um, That said, what. What you can do, the safest way to acquire Lorcana, and this is straight from a smaller retailer, is they say if you are dead set on getting that as uh, on the, the opening week or the release date is to pre-order with the bigger, biggest stores because they are most likely going to get the biggest allocation of product. And not only that, what I was told was, their major issue is reputation. They want to protect the reputation. They deal in volume. They don't want to piss off the masses and create a, 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 a you know, a crap storm when it comes to this stuff. So this is straight from a very somebody whom I, I incredibly trust, who has their own their own shop, and they say if it was if it's a difference of supporting your LGS or buying from the big box store if you really need it on that that release weekend you are you have to buy it from the big box store cuz their allocation is going to be a lot more protected than the smaller store purely by volume and and that kind of those kinds of standards and this comes from years of experience and and fighting those battles and just trying mm-hmm. to support it but again it feels it feels kind of bad because i get it the culture you and i brendan go to the LGS, we support it. We have like a home field. We have a home base that we go play at, the people that we see and we want to support. And it feels bad when you're giving money to a quote-unquote faceless entity that just you know, runs, yeah. runs numbers. But that's if, if you really want it, that's the way to do it.
1: Honestly, like I go to, let's say in total, I've gone to like four or five LGSs, like local game stores in my area. There's one that I would give pre-order money to for a set like this, because I know he's going to tell me, as close to as to what he genuinely believes what what, he, what his allocation is going to be. That's not the number he's promised, by the way. Definitely not the number he's promised. For what do sure. you think it's going to get cut down to? It's going to tell me the real number. Tell me the real chance. It's tell me that, hey, if I get this much, if, if I even get 10 boxes out of my 100 that I was promised, you're getting those five, right? Because that's if I don't have a personal relation to that person, no chance. No freaking chance because they, not only is the store not in control, but they also don't have a reputation to uphold for canceling my pre order where it's like a big company like SCG or whatever it was back in the day with Fab. They're not going to cancel your pre order. Most likely, it's very, very unlikely because it looks really freaking bad if they hold your money for, you know, three, four, five, six months and then they cancel it last minute. Local game stores, hate to say it, but they're at, they have a way less risk of doing that. And it happens. It happened in Fab a lot. So, but- yeah. For me, local game store if I have a personal relationship. But do you know how this? Like, do you see how this
0: sounds to the casual gamer when they listen to us talking about this? Where you and I, like you said, we've been in the industry for a while. We 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 have made content in the industry, worked in the industry for a long time. Not necessarily from the the game design perspective, but from the periphery, we have connections, we have a network, we know people. We we if we need something, we can get what we need. That is a very small group of people in the world that have access to that kind of accessibility that we have because the casual person who's listening to this and says shit i don't even know the name of the dude who runs the store Mm. and that i go to that i've been going to for 10 years i can't even tell you you know like i can't even open a conversation with them to say like hey you know me i've been coming here for 10 years like that's a difficult thing to reconcile
1: so or never been to a local game store which is like
0: right very likely yeah
1: yeah so honestly and i think it's important for for like to say that because end of the day because I, when i was first in fab i did not have an advantage and i had pre-orders canceled on me i lost my money it was a whole fiasco i didn't get what i wanted now like Flake and I do probably have a massive advantage. I don't know, but I'm assuming the people that I've been working with now for multiple years on end, or close friends with, like they will have allocation. They'll know people have allocation. They can help me out. But um, yeah, if you're if you're if you're sort of you're not coming from that, and like I said, it took years to build up. Um, you just your best solution is to not go for the online small local game store in Canada. Who's like, hey, six month pre release, hundred dollars, like. It's oh, a load dude. of shit. It's not going to happen. Like, it's not going to happen because there's multiple reasons. One, they're not getting the product. Two, they have – like, there's so little risk, and they're just taking your money. It's totally free. And then the last is like, what happens when one month before when people are like, yeah, we'll pre-order for 800 bucks, and we're happy about it? <laughs> they're going to be like, what? Are we going to lose $700 to uphold Timmy's freaking pre-order here? Yes. No. Exactly. No, they're not. <laughs> so they're that- not.
0: That Canadian, that Canadian site, I actually pulled that up off of a Reddit thread where somebody says, like, hey, check this out. Somebody's putting them up there. And the person who r- runs the store was, like, flabbergasted at how fast their product sold. And they yep, were like, it's thank always, you so much. It's but, always
1: those guys, man. Sure. It's always those. Same thing in Fab. It was, like, there was this store – sorry, I got, a, I got a tangent Go for here. it. There was a store – God, I don't want to say the name because I get it wrong. Basically, it was a store in fab did the same thing where they're like, yeah, we hope we get allocated like 10,000% what else everybody else is expecting. So they put out these low price pre-orders, and they were like, wow, there was so much demand. We were so surprised. Thanks for the support. They didn't get freaking anything because they never were going to get anything. They thought that they were like, hey, we have enough money. We have enough capital money to go buy 10,000 boxes from our distributor. And before having that conversation, before realizing that's all getting cut before realizing everybody else wants it, they're like, why don't we just put up a bunch of pre-orders and get a bunch of free interest loans. And it was a freaking disaster. So it's like, sometimes there's people who just, you know, I don't know about the store in Canada. Maybe the dude knows, maybe, maybe they played the game. Maybe they understand what's going to happen. But in fabulous, the same thing is like, there was these stores that were super ignorant and they pleaded that ignorance all the way to the end. But there was like, you know, we hope we get 10,000. Not okay. You can't take 10,000 people's, like 10,000 orders worth of money and just be like, Yeah, we were hoping we we're gonna get it before we investigated at all. Well, it's a freaking disaster. I hope they get what they're getting,
0: but the difference here is like, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say that let's say they get all their allocation and they fulfill those orders. That is a an- immense outlier that is a anomaly when it comes to it because you're going to find more of these stores that put up their pre-orders that are maybe not aware of the culture maybe not aware of the demand and all the the rumblings and the talk about the game and all the hype surrounding it wherein they put they see msrp of whatever they put up the 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 price at 160 bucks a box they they sell out in 90 minutes and realize what did we do because our neighbor is selling it at at a hundred dollars on top of what we're selling it at and they also sold out so you know what they do they're going to cancel all those orders and relist at a brand new price and just make an f load more money and if you think that this is a a, a you know a, a shady move it is but this is there's no i don't think there's any laws against this it's purely a practice that these that these stores will do so don't be surprised if that canadian store that is selling it at basically msrp that's sold out in a heartbeat a won't get what they get and i really hope that they don't pull the the little switcheroo and cancel the orders and then relist at what is a yeah. more market uh, appropriate price
1: yeah, and if you, you insist on chasing the rainbow in terms of like finding a small store that doesn't know what they have and they randomly list it at low price and they're going to sell it to you and they're going to pre-order it and like all this other stuff, it, it, it's kind of a game, right? And it's kind of fun to like you know. in flesh and blood, I think for multiple weeks, um, it was basically after they announced unlimited, I was trying to buy alpha products because at one point we didn't know there was going to be additional set. Uh, like we thought there would only be the alpha printing and, um, i ca- i ordered from so many st- i had to be like f- 20 stores right every single one of them canceled on me except for one <laughs> for one and it was this one store i can't remember the name it was in like freaking portland or something they're like they sold me a case of alpha welcome to wraith and they're like hey man uh yeah i saw the crazy stuff that was happening but we're just gonna go ahead and uphold this because you know whatever so it happens there's good people out there um but yeah, it's unlikely. It was like the one in twenty for me. Well,
0: there you have it. So, friends, uh, Brendan and I are just like you. We're we're we want it. We don't know how much we're gonna get it, uh, and we're basically pulling as many strings as we can, not to get uh, a leg up on anyone, but purely yeah. just to get. And and for the record, the the strings that we're pulling are like not i'm like i need like 10 cases it's like i just need my i just need like two boxes like i just want i just want some and you know like we want to get our case or we want to get our box or whatever like that's where what we what we want we're not out here to just you know uh, back the truck up into our apartment and, and dump all the the cases in here we just want what we would normally get
1: to be honest, I would like 10 cases. If I get 10 cases, I go for 10 cases. Yeah, but Cause... that's like, trust me. Like,
0: there was, a, there was, uh,
1: a... I'd be just, if you're buying this to invest in it as well, you, there's so little information you know. So, like, it's also very, if you're hearing this and you're like, wow, this sounds like a great opportunity to me because I've got, I know this person and this person, be careful because unless you can, you know, you can afford to lose that money. Uh, I can give you an example of flesh and blood where it didn't work out for a lot of people. Uh, and it was with the set and Monarch, but, you have no idea what the actual allocation numbers are. You don't know what the the print numbers are to things like, and you know, how much product is going to be in like Walmart, e-com retailers, all that stuff. So just because your LGS isn't getting a big source and just because people are scrambling for it now, doesn't mean that later that maybe Ravensburger hasn't printed into infinity and it's actually going to be easy to get. So if you end up being like, okay, I'm going to put my life savings into this. I'm going to get it at $300 a box pre-order now, but it's going to be locked in and I'm definitely going to get it. And then it ends up being, you know, 146, you know, map, or minimum price then that's just how it is but yeah flesh and blood this happened with a set called monarch basically every set was scalped hard impossible to get and then monarch came out and the the, the studio legend story studios did a direct deal with a large online retailer that uh basically like hid the product like manipulated the heavily manipulated the market made it look scarce it went up till it was like 500 dollars a box that thing's like 100 dollars a box it was like terrible and so many people I know have tons and tons and tons of cases sitting in their closet of monarch and I'm definitely uh you can't I'm see it I'm, p- I'm part of that team. <laughs> I'm part of the team. Not a not a lot, but I have too many where I was like, you know, I I've been playing flesh and blood for years and I'm like every single time I couldn't get the freaking set. So I was like with this set I was like, I'm just gonna buy more. It didn't work out. And uh yeah that just happens. Like so so be careful.
0: You know how much I paid for a case of Tales of Aria Duh how much? Eight hundred dollars.
1: That's that's crazy. Yeah. That was after. That was after Monarch too. Didn't it you was. learn your lesson?
0: <laughs> I got in, so I got into the game after Monarch and yeah. Tales of Arya was announced. And I remember this because I couldn't. I I didn't have the same relationships I have today. I didn't. Ha- I haven't developed that network yet. And I just knew based on Discords and groups and whatever, there was one dude who basically pulled the move and bought something like a hundred cases. Uh, Mm -hmm. at msrp and then flip them for three times msrp or two and a half times msrp and i was like okay i'm like this is the only way i can get a case so let's rock and roll and Mm -hmm. that was the end of it
1: so with monarch in particular there was a there was a meme in the flesh and blood community all the way in the lead up and i think it was for a couple weeks after it was called mon to 1k so they wanted the (laughs) box to go to one thousand dollars this box I think is around a hundred dollars ish now, and it was probably below a hundred dollars at one point, because the product looked extremely scarce because there was a online retailer that had most of the product and was just actively manipulating the market. Like literally, it's a it's a meme. It's still if you go to the Flesh and Blood Discord, there's probably still a channel called Mon to One K where people just go in there and talk about the joke of Flesh and Blood Finance because everybody got wrecked.
0: I've got Mon. First Ed boxes right over there. <laughs> sealed. Uh, like You can't see them. They're off there, but like they're right there on the shelf. And I have a sealed case of Mon Unlimited.
1: Yeah. Right Dust there. till dawn, baby. Can't come soon enough.
0: <sighs> All right. It's a Lorcana kind of podcast, but we kind of went off the rails. But MSRP, again, friends who are listening to this, please understand, MSRP is a dream. It is a best dream. Best price. That's the best price. <laughs> yeah. If you can find anything within 10%, of msrp you snap that off in a heartbeat because as we've seen all the pre-orders now are already snowballing to one and a half x 50 like 50 like 50 percent on top 100 percent on top so we're we're approaching that already and we don't even know how the game is played so just get ready and uh and that's that's basically it um yeah that that's our that's our episode about pricing and msrp
1: i'm sorry to all the people listening that just want to play card games and you know have fun and yeah yeah unfortunately this is a part of uh, a part of sometimes new games hype games hype sets uh i don't think you have to participate right like you don't have to be game system worrying about it but it's just like be careful because there's going to be people out there that will take your money and i'm not saying they are going to steal your money but they will take it and they will hold it and then they're going to give it back and you're going to have no product and It's going to be six months on and you're like what the heck? So just, just be careful. I would say the the best thing you can do is like if you're a really casual gamer, you just want to play it for fun. Just don't worry about it. Buy it when it's out. Buy it when there's product in hand. Don't buy promises of product if it's going to be scalped like this.
0: The way that you refer to pre-orders as zero percent in a zero percent interest loans, it was brilliant to me. I like that. Yeah, that's what well, they are.
1: Yeah, I gave a lot of zero percent interest loans. Like when I talked about when like I 20 freaking, like, almost 20 stores and one, one held out. Because, like, basically overnight, the whole thing spiked and, like, there was no product suddenly. And it's just, yeah. It Unfortunately, on their end, whether it's ethical or it's not ethical, to an extent, it makes sense. Like, if you're a struggling local game store or, like, you know, or someone who's just kind of cowboy and slinging product and then product spikes 10x, a lot of people don't uphold that, you know, the one-tenth of that price they did.
0: You know what um, the other yeah. s- sneaky move is? Is they will bundle. It's like okay, you want you want. <laughs> do, yeah. <laughs> when they when they bundle it with crap that you either don't yeah. want.
1: So I got a, un- a yeah, box of Larkana and some uh, some luxury dog treats for you here. Exactly,
0: it's like <laughs> all right. I, I've got like a, a, a you can get you can get the starter deck for Larkana, but it comes with like a Samsonite like roller bag that you have to get. So you're paying over the top to get it. It's just the way it is. The other move that I've noticed that sometimes they do that they do here at least in Canada that I've seen is oh you want the first edition product? Okay, you you, you want a box. But you also have to buy two unlimited boxes. And we don't yeah. even know when that comes out. But that's the It's like we will fulfill the first ed box. And you're also on the hook for two unlimited whenever that gets released. That happens here all the time. My so favorite. you want you want a box of, let's say, like, this happened to me with Tales of Aria. Tales of Aria came out. I was like, I couldn't find yeah. a box anywhere. That's why I paid $800 for the case. But I was like, I want a box. They were, uh, want, like, they were... Buying them at 180 a box was could not find it, but I was able to buy a box of first ed and two boxes of unlimited for like 350. So I was like, that's my only opportunity here, and it felt ridiculous.
1: It's because yeah, well, that was because unlimited was about to get canceled as like an idea from LSS because it was worth like zero dollars. So there was it's like it's like hey, you want to buy a box of Arcana? Well. It's 2X MSRP, and we're going to throw in a Huawei flip phone. You're like, what? <laughs> I don't need a flip phone. <laughs> I'm like, what, what's going on here?
0: <laughs> yeah, you get like a, you get your, your choice of Crocs that come with this playmat. <laughs> uh, all right, let's, uh, let's hit the mailbag, the spilled ink portion. We've got a few people that, is, uh, uh, that have sent in their questions or comments. Hit us with the first one there, Brendan.
1: All right, this is from Arton Gretschka. Um, they say, well, the demand is high and, uh, Ravensburger increased printing. Some people might not get Lorcana immediately. What is the grace period when people would be satisfied to get it before dropping it completely? It's a good question. I honestly have no idea what the tolerance of sort of the average consumer is for not getting the product on day one. I would say it's probably extremely long. Um, not that people won't be pissed off that they can't get it, but I think that if people can't get it at a reasonable price it's like if they can just play it uh, relatively soon after the release like even at their local game store maybe maybe they're able to assemble a deck that will be enough it's just hard for me to think that people that really really want the game but can't get it on release are going like it's going to be common from the drop but i think they will just kind of keep trying there's obviously a critical maximum where it's like okay you can never play the game because it's always prohibitively expensive but I don't think that, um, you know, all the... I, I do think that for Larkana, it will get scalped. There will be some nasty pre-order stuff, and there won't be enough product. I believe those things will happen. I still think that the general hype and the general interest in the game will probably remain the same, despite that entire fiasco. It just... That's what happened in Flesh and Blood. People want the product. Yeah.
0: The best parallel I can... You know, at least most recent one is, is Marvel Snap. And Marvel Snap was... Uh, rolled out in waves in different regions. Uh, I was not in the first wave of regions, but a lot of my American friends got it got it uh, before me, and myself and other content creators, um, prominent ones in Canada, did not have access despite trying to really lobby for it. And once we got access, like we were in that same vein of, you know what, like we don't have it, and screw it. this we, game. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's like kind of it's like when you're you're getting rejected. For you know, yeah. by by a a girl or a boy. Where it's I didn't like, like her anyway. Yes, <laughs> screw it. She doesn't know what she's missing. It sucks anyways. It's one of those things. You see those sort of screenshots from Tinder all the time, where somebody's like, "I don't know, I'm not happy." Well, like, well, you're a bitch anyways. Like that's kind of the the mentality it was with Marvel Snap. The the difference there is that once yeah. they did get their hands on Marvel Snap, they are. It's like okay, so last week you hated this game. Where are you now? A uh, collection level twenty five hundred. It's like okay, yeah. so. I I would say based off of evidence, Arjun, that there's a pretty long grace period. You're going to hear a lot of people poo poo on it and like talk crap about Lorcana because they can't get it, but if the game is good, they're going to they're eventually going to come around.
1: Yeah, I find that people really don't hold on to that. You know, it's like if I don't get it, I will also be angry and honestly, I'll probably talk about it in this podcast, but <laughs> if I get it the week after, I'll be like you know what? I didn't really like waiting, but the game's pretty good.
0: <laughs> Last week, Brendan was just hungry. Like, we don't know. <laughs> he have... was just upset. Uh, Alright, next question is from Trey at Cabled on uh, Twitter. Says, I'm sure you guys will give your opinion about the price. Yeah, we did. Uh, but I'm very curious what you guys think. Personally, if singles are very cheap, you know, then six pa- a $6 pack won't really matter at all. Opening the two rares per pack will make up the difference, assuming that it's Two rares per pack. I don't know if th- I think that's what they're doing.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that with sixty card decks and like it with the number of cards in pack, which I think is like fourteen, if I remember off the top of my head, um, it seems like it's going to be expensive, right? Uh, like we're we're also assuming that the rares and you know higher rarity cards are good. So I think that the price of a constructed deck should be closer to something like Magic. Probably closer to Flesh and Blood, to be honest. Like, Magic Standard is probably not a great correlation. So I would assume it's actually going to be... Like, the more expensive packs are, the more expensive Constructed will be in decks.
0: It's going to come down also to deck-building restrictions. If it's a three copies or four copies per, like Flesh and Blood and Magic. Or if it's something smaller, like Hearthstone has two copies of or one of each Legendary. Um, It might be a situation where, yeah, the, the strong cards are... Like the legendaries are really strong, but you can only have one of them. Buying singles again is you know, no matter what the card game is, it is always the most cost effective way of acquiring cards. Like (laughs) be real. You should do it. Yes. No,
1: dude. I'm I'm moving apartments. Sorry, tangent again. Sorry for interrupting. Moving apartments on Friday. And oh my God, cleaning up and trying to organize all of my cards is one of the most unpleasant things I've ever done in my entire life. I have so many pieces of cardboard, boxes and boxes and boxes. And I vowed, I vowed, I'm never buying sealed product ever again. Maybe for Lacana, but never. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- and no. look, the, the, you know,
0: take it from some of the most respected voices in card gaming. People like The Professor, for example, in Magic, who is such an advocate for just buying singles. It is always going to be the better and more cost efficient way. And if a pack of Lorcana is $6 instead of $4, uh, you know, of other card games, then hell yeah, it's probably gonna be uh, much more cost effective. At least from the perspective of, you know, f- flushing out your commons and uncommons. Like, you could probably, a month after the set releases, you're gonna see it's like, I can spend $30. To get all the commons and uncommons from the set, rather than spending I don't know eight hundred dollars for a case and hoping that I get play sets and having a whole bunch of bulk and maybe having stuff that I don't need. Obviously, the rare sets, the the you know the ultimate, the super rares and the legendaries, that's where the line share of the money is going to come from. But at the same time, if you just want the collection, you can spend a thousand dollars to get the entire that entire set, a whole play set of that whole thing. Or you could probably spend two thousand dollars trying to open it.
1: Yeah, I'm a big singles advocate now. Uh, you know, jokes aside, I just think that bulk sucks. Like, I think it sucks, and like, yeah, it's just it's kind of a waste of money. Like, it's definitely a waste of money. I guess unless you're playing sealed and enjoying the experience, or playing drafts or some sort of limited format, like I just think the singles are absolutely the way to go.
0: Well, you're you're also like us saying this is also taking away from the fact that I. You know, I enjoy opening packs, man. Like, it's...
1: I don't anymore. I don't anymore, actually. I open too many packs. You're lying, don't dude. It. Don't
0: even I, come I, on the show and lie I
1: genuinely like get zero dopamine from opening packs. I did get a lot of dopamine from when we were in Columbus with Keith, and we were ripping expensive Flesh and Blood cards late at night. doing flip it or rip it. That's flip it or rip people. it with
0: first edition crew. Yes. Yeah, there was a cold everybody around. sledge of Advilheim that I wish I could keep and that I wish I had. Because a lot of those cards, too, were just like, oh, and if anybody wants them. I'm like, I wanted that card that you torn in three. Like, that's the card I wanted. And yeah, yeah. it is now in confetti
1: on the table. Yeah. I actually, I don't like opening packs, though. Not anymore. You're Not lying. More. I would, I'm maybe Lorcana, it would be fun initially, but it gets old pretty soon. Too much limited.
0: We should do an episode where it's just us, or it's me opening my packs of Lorcana and you continuously saying that you don't like opening packs as yeah. you, you stew with jealousy. We'll
1: just do Rip It every single no. time. Don't
0: do that. All right, last All right. one. Last one. Yeah.
1: So Martin, uh, Whip it of Larcana. Kind of sounds like Rip it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> says, what do you think a drop percentage? What do you think the drop percentages are in the two rare slots and the foil slot? How is it um, in other TCGs like FNB Flesh in Blood?
0: <laughs> so, uh, from what I understand, I mean, uh, what's different now is in Outsiders it's an on average two rare or better. Whereas you'll get a pack of three and you'll get a pack of one now and then. That is mm. just how it goes. Yeah. And I've spoken to Brian Gottlieb, who's the designer of that set. And it's just something that I think they're experimenting with or, or whatnot, or I don't know what the, the, the details are of it. My suspicion is that it's probably going to go around the same kind of drop rates as uh, original Flesh and Blood, which had the Super Rare and the Majestic Rare. Uh, and the legendary, uh, or hold on, a second. does Lorcana has common, uncommon, rare, super rare, or legendary? Right, I believe I'm it's five levels: common, uncommon, rare, super rare, legendary. I mean, so yeah, we so, can just
1: we can say the words and then count our fingers. is gonna make sense, but I have no idea. <laughs> either way,
0: I would suspect that like so: common, uncommon, rare. That's your staples, and then you have this above rare and this like chase card very of. Uh, Relatively so. Which is, I think, what Fuzz and Blood is now. Common. Well, they don't have uncommons, But either way, five things. I think that it's the, It's going to go around the same kind of drop rate where your Majestics or your Super Rares or your whatever's above rare rarity is, like, in one in six packs. So you're going to get four in a box. And your foil or whatever is going to... Um, you'll have, like, one Super Rare foil. You'll have a, a couple, like, maybe... Five or six rares. The rest are going to be commons. And my guess is that that legendary hit is going to be one per box, and it's going to take the spot. They're all going to be foils, and it's going to take the spot of one of the foils in the pack.
1: Uh, So I see it more – do we think it's like a legend? I don't think – legendary? I don't know. Like the fab fab rarity system is actually pretty – Unusual, like peculiar. I think, like, some other games have like ultra rares and like the like variants, but fab in terms of like the fable and some legendary equipment, and they're printed in what I think is kind of weird ways because Lorcana is not built like that. I mean, if it has like some sort of alternate art, alternate foiling card, maybe, but I think in general, um, like a lot of Lorcana's rarer cards will be meant to be played in pairs because I don't think it's going to be singleton. I think it'll be you know three or four of a copy in a deck, so I think that they're going to be relatively common right like there's going to be legendary whatever you want to call it like a rare ultra rare legendary but i think they'll all be uh i don't know what you call it openable enough that you can have four in a deck reasonably because in flesh and blood you couldn't reasonably have four heart of fiendals which is their fable card in your deck you wouldn't have four mask of momentum so there's two short printed so i think it'll be uh They'll be rarer, but still openable and played in, like, a four of. And I do think that Larcana will be four of a card in a deck because of 60-card decks, but it could be three.
0: One, one thing that I think, I don't know if I like it or not, but in sports cards, like, in, when you're when you're collecting sports cards, the way that they kind of, like, uh, hyped up certain products, it's like you have autograph cards or jersey cards, right? And the bu- buying a box, there was a printed on the box guarantee that each box contained one Jersey card and one autograph card. It it wasn't like, uh, Oh, every 20 some odd packs. And maybe in one box, there's two, and maybe in one box it was, that was it. It was per box. There is this much. If they advertise that every box had like one legendary, the problem I find with that is like people who are going to a store to buy like five packs, you're going to have those kinds of like investigative journal. Like, do you know who bought these? Like, what yeah, was it open for sure? What came out of this? Was there a in legendary? Blood, blood this?
1: Yeah, you can you can weigh the packs in flesh and blood. Um, you couldn't monarch because the cold foil would replace the foil. If that ever happens, then there's a distribution in weight. Happens in Yu Gi Oh! a lot, from what I understand, but yeah, I mean, in flesh and blood, people already do it. We're like, oh, you sold two boxes of this case. Did they open the what what'd they, get? they get? The legendary, they get a fable because they got a fable. You're like, no, yeah, care. not
0: interesting.
1: I don't think that really applies because, like. I don't know, like, that was back in, like, Welcome to Ray The early sets of Flesh and Blood, they were a bit more mappable, where it's, like, you know, a case and only really have one legendary. But nowadays, like, people put like, two fables in the same box or, like, I don't know, some crazy stuff. But, yeah. I, baseball card collecting is, that is an enigma to me. Because, it, it, like me, someone who doesn't like opening packs, doesn't like chaff, It seems like the entire system is just chaff and opening packs.
0: Yeah, that's what it is because you're not using these cards to play. They just sit in a binder or they sit in this drawer right here of a whole bunch of stuff that I was like, oh, this is going to be worth a lot. I'm like, I have the entire set of MLB Upper Deck Series 1 from 2007. You want to see a baseball card with Derek Jeter's face on it? I can get you one right now. But what else <sighs> from that? Like, the only cards that I actually covet are... I have some cards with game-worn jerseys on them and autographs from the players. Like, those are the only ones that actually actually matter.
1: I want to meet the marketing team that came up with the freaking pipe dream they sold you with that draft chaff. <laughs> Just like the back chaff that now sits in your desk... I don't know it's wild. I'm gonna yeah, show wild. you, dude,
0: right now. You think I'm lying, dude? Right here. You see this? Baseball cards. By the freaking ton. they're all here. That's a whole set right there. I don't even have to get out of my chair to show you that. Like that's how much there is. But do I throw them out? No, because I'm mentally ill. Apparently, <laughs> can't get rid of them. It just can't happen. Ugh. Ugh. All right. That was an episode. That was a pretty. That was a pretty good chat. Uh, we
1: had. Yeah. I Some worry. heavy topics. TLDR is like, if you're a casual, buy product when it's in hand. And, you know, just buy it whenever it's available and whatever price makes sense for you. Uh, for everybody else, good luck because it's, it's a freaking <laughs> fiasco.
0: Mr. Doom and Gloom. Uh, but we do appreciate you guys uh, sending in your questions and comments. If you've got any others, something that you like from the show, please leave it in the YouTube video. You could tweet at myself, at WatchFlake, and tweet at Brendan, at Brendan. A P G you can tweet at the podcast at Podcana on Twitter as well. Check us out wherever you get your stuff. And uh yeah, I think that we will eventually go to a weekly format, but there's really nothing worth digging into. Um out on a weekly basis
1: yeah. it makes more sense when we get closer to release and we can talk about like general card game general card gaming topics as well like strategy and all that kind of stuff because first of all we need rules we need more cards etc cetera, etc cetera. because things like msrp while they're important they're kind of outside of our wheelhouse in terms of like the things that me and flake are usually interested in it is just a part of the ecosystem that you're going to have to experience in order to get this product but yeah generally like when it comes to fab i don't give a I don't care about MSRP allocation and any of that stuff anymore. Yeah. All all this to say. Thank you very much for listening. And Disney Lorcana.
0: Release the rules, you cowards. Alright. That's it for us. See you next time on Podcana.